mighty fancy automobile. Oh, she's a real road king, all right. Zero to 60 in 7.5. She'll do a quarter of a mile, 13.40. 390 horsepower. 500 foot-pounds of torque. Whatever that is, performance and image, that's what it's all about. There's no such thing as a stupid question. This is Drive Radio. All of your automotive questions are just one phone call away. 303-477-5600. Drive Radio is made possible by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. To find one near you, go to drive-radio.com. Now, Drive Radio on KLZ 560. All right, hour number three is upon us. Myself, Jeff Corwin, JC's British and 4x4 is with us. Charlie Grimes, of course, our engineer, and Larry Unger answering phones as he does each Saturday, which I appreciate very much. We have a line open, 303-477-5600. You can text us, 307-200-8222. And if you're listening to us up in Portland, thank you very much. You can still call us, and we'll answer your question as well. You don't have to be from the Denver area. We can answer that call from anywhere. Again, 303 477 5,600. Joe in Fort Collins, you're next. Hey, gentlemen, how are you Good, Joe. How are you, sir? I am fine. I'm having a bit of a, I shouldn't say a bit, very much of a conundrum with this vehicle. I spoke with you about three weeks ago. Got a detonation problem going on. Uh, I mean, some people call it pinging, whatever. Yeah, same thing. when When I'm on the road... In the it's does it always around fifteen hundred to about eighteen hundred RPM whenever you accelerate it I get a terrible detonation going on and I you had uh, suggested last time that I use a GM product uh, a top end mm-hmm. top engine uh, cleaner cleaner yeah did so <clears throat> has it made hasn't made any difference uh this this whole process in this process it did about a month and a half ago throw a uh, code for knock sensors and i thought oh that makes perfect sense uh took the top end apart uh replaced the knock sensors and while i was in there since they're buried in the back i went ahead and and um replaced the uh uh, cam position sensor and the pressure sender just because they're buried back there and i thought i don't want to take this apart again and real quick joe it, remind me what what we're driving i don't remember i'm sorry that would help wouldn't it uh this is an o2 chevy avalanche 53 ls okay yeah so given given that insight i thought that was going to solve my problem it, it didn't make any difference uh, whatsoever it doesn't matter if i put in high octane fuel i've even added uh octane booster when when you accelerate in that range it just knocks like crazy and i'm getting ready to take a trip and i'm i'm pretty concerned because that that knocking obviously detonation i'm told can cause some pretty bad oh yeah no it, it can burn it can burn an engine up if you do it enough you know literally yeah yeah and, and so it gets regular oil changes, and 
and I'm, I'm a maintenance. Well, uh, I think the next the next thing I would want to know personally, and I think if I was, you know, this was in my shop and I was fixing it as a technician, and these things are now cheap enough to where if you don't own one, buy one. Yeah, I have one for a lot of other things around the house anyways, and that's the little scope cameras you can hook up to your cell phone. I would pull a spark plug on a couple of different cylinders and actually put a camera in the cylinder itself and see what your carbon buildup looks like just for grins and see what it looks like. Yeah, I've got a bore scope and already been there, yep. done that. And what does it look like inside? I'm seeing uh, the the carbon buildup and and with the treatment and everything else, I, I that's why I'm dumbfounded. You can see some silver uh, in the cylinder and the cylinder head, um, and as far as the top of the head, whenever mm-hmm. you put the uh, bore. Into the what's top? Can you see the top of the piston as well, or no? Yes. And what's it look like? I can direct the thing. It's not. It's not covered in carbon. Okay, so it's not. So the inside the cylinders are not all carboned up. No, no, and that's that's why I'm going out of my mind with this. Uh, Next thing to do, and you know something else, I we probably should have suggested earlier, but again, we just do these you know step by step. The next thing to do, and if if I was a technician, you'd have a scan tool on it, and you'd be looking at what's the timing advancement look like as a computer. You advancing the timing far too far. Uh, you know, causing an issue that way. And if that's the case, then we'd have to look at why. Uh, Again, I'd want to know what is the timing on it while it's pinging. And and if it starts to ping, is it retarding it like it should? Because if it's not, well, then that gives us an indicator of what's happening. Okay. So next thing for me to do would be to drive it with a scan tool on it and look at those readings and see what's happening. Okay. You know, what's fuel curve look? Because the other thing, too, is we get really lean – we could be having some issues as well. So I wouldn't look at fuel trim. You know, what's fuel trim look like on the scan tool? What's our timing advance look like? Is it retarding where when it hears it pinging and or making fuel adjustments at the same time? If all of that's not happening, and typically I wouldn't go this direction, but Joe, if all those things aren't being done like I just said, you'd have to almost think the computer's not doing what it should be. And I'd almost put a, you know, I'd want to probably look at putting a, a computer in it, but I'd want to know all this other stuff first. Do you think that that's something that would occur in in that that it's always in the same RPM? Well, it's it only it's matter. only going well. Yes, because typically now now here's another question too. But to answer your question, yes, I do think that could happen. Here's the other thing: is can you make it ping by power breaking it? Power break. Oh, yeah. okay. If okay. you you know, put it in drive, you know, put the e brake yeah. on, put your foot on the brake. You know, put as much throttle into it as you possibly can and see if it will actually ping under load that way. That'll also tell you what we have going on. Yeah, because it will not do it under idle. No. It's got to be under. Got to be under load. And it doesn't, if you're, say, in second or third gear and you are uh, driving 35 miles an hour as opposed to being on the highway and in a higher gear and you're at 65 it it just doesn't matter it's in that rpm range sure. all all the time well and again the okay. reason for, the reason for that if i'm on the right track if we're not you know retarding timing correctly and or having the right fuel curve at that particular rpm well then we'd have to look at why but i don't know at sure. this point because okay. we don't have you know we don't have a scan tool on it that's you know this is one of those where you really have to almost well not almost got to find somebody with a full bore scan tool that can actually look at the the readings in those areas and find out what's going on a, a handheld you know at home yeah. code reader is not going to yeah. tell you they're these gonna things they're going to be able they're, yeah they're going to need to be able to look at the full 
you know, diagnostic um, uh, data logging, if you will. There you the, go. The, the being able to look at multiple sensors um, and on a uh, time graph and really kind of analyze what's going on, right? whether the cylinder is going lean, like John said, uh, whether the ignition timing is being backed off when it's supposed to be backed off. And sometimes you can just run across a sensor that's not responding correctly that's throwing other things off. So you may see it go lean, and it's not because there's not enough fuel. It's because another sensor is not reading correctly sure. and trying to – and basically telling the computer, hey, you need to lean it out, even though that's really not what it needed. Um, and what spark, I never did ask either, Joe, what spark plugs are in it? Have they been changed, and if so, to anything different? Part of my uh, uh, problem solving, I, I, it was, it's got about 90,000 on it, so I went ahead and replaced. Uh, they are the uh, Iridium AC Delcos. Okay, perfect. NGK. Yeah, they're, they're, they're updated. Where ECM is concerned, I did. I did start thinking about that and looked at a few things. You have to when you get one. You have to supply your VIN number. Correct. Mm-hmm. And in doing, they're they're supposed to flash it for that particular VIN in that vehicle. Do you That's just correct. Get the thing and install it, or do you have to do more than that? You would typically on those would install it, then flash it at the same time. And again, you need the the right shop with the right ability to do the flash update, which most shops today have that ability. Let me rephrase that. Most good high-end diagnostic shops can do what I just said. The average, you know, tire stores and brake stores and oil change places and so on, uh, even some of the franchise stores, no, they're not going to have that ability. The independents that are high quality will have the ability to do that. So an ECM is not a... uh a home project. I mean, I, no. I can obviously put the thing in. No. It's going to run. Not on the programming it's side. Have, it's not. No. You have to have special tooling to do the programming. Okay. That's that's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. And it's, and right, it's well, and it, you know, is it something you could do at home if you had it? Yes. It's not difficult, but the tool alone is you either rent it and pay a sure. subscription monthly for it is what shops do, or they go ahead and shell out the 2500 bucks or so it takes to have the, the actual J2534 tool to do that. Yeah, it's not cost-effective. I no, understand that. No, and even most shops. And, they, again, you've got to do a lot of this to even justify the cost of the tool. Sure, I understand. Absolutely. But, again, I, the, right, these well, are the directions I would now head on this truck to see, you know, why is it pinging? And, again, looking at some of the PID information coming out of it and what, you know, to Jeff's point a moment ago, you know, what's the data saying, you know, you know, what's our freeze frame data? I mean, there's all sorts of things recording and so on you can do. If somebody running the right scan tool can look at all this stuff and even freeze the data and look at it as it's pinging and then go back in and say, okay, I can see now what's happening. This is what I need to go and fix. All right. All right. So I guess uh, if, if it continues after I have somebody go through that uh, procedure, at a shop, then I'll be back in touch. You know, and the other thing I never have asked you, did this just start all of a sudden, or did it progressively get worse? Oh, it it, it, it feels like it, it started all of a sudden. It, it, it's got 90000 on it, and previously it ran fine. And it didn't matter if you put 85 octane in it or... On that truck, or, it really shouldn't, high. actually, by the way, so... Um, yeah, but it, it, even then, it, it never had this problem, and, and, and it did start out of the blue. Okay, it just started happening. Okay. Why I thought, well, ground on a 
on a knock sensor and it's uh it's yeah it's and, and, and by the way I, and i think you doing that and even doing the top engine clean and then looking down in it with a boroscope you've done all the right things and we haven't hurt anything with what we've done you've done all the right maintenance things the key now is just figuring out what is the core mm-hmm. problem yeah yeah so that's hence my frustration I understand all sir all I- right You're on the right track. Joe, thanks. I appreciate it very much. Russ and Cheyenne, hang tight. We'll come right back. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. At Napa Auto Parts, we've been the most trusted name in auto parts for over 80 years. Probably because we've never stopped looking for ways to make the great parts we sell even better. It's a commitment to quality you'll find in every one of our 310,000 parts. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters to the patented damping mechanism on our drive-align belt tensioners to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes. And Napa parts are covered by a warranty that's good at any of our 6,000 Napa auto parts stores nationwide. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store. But at Napa, we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. To find the Napa auto parts store nearest you, go to NapaOnline.com. Napa, get the good stuff. With over 125 locations in Colorado, southern Wyoming, and western Nebraska, there's only one place to get the good stuff. Napa Auto Parts. Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance offers a rebate program unlike any other. Every year that you don't file a claim, you get a certain percentage of your money back. Just one example of how Paul Lewinberger, the personal insurance agent of John Rush, keeps your rates so low. He rewards his customers for their diligence and responsibility. Paul can also help you strategize about when to file a claim and when to pay out of pocket so you save more money in the long run. You don't want to shop online for insurance because you have no idea what you're buying. You need Paul Lewinberger with American National, the no surprises insurance agent. Call 303-662-0789. That's 303-662-0789. And ask Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance for details about his unique rebate program for home and auto insurance. Talk to somebody with the expertise to advise you so you get the coverage you expect. If your engine doesn't leak oil, but you have to add to it between oil changes, where does the oil go? The problem occurs when piston rings clog with carbon and then allow oil to blow by the pistons and burn in combustion chambers. The best service shops use a BG product that cleans the engine in just 15 minutes. Find a shop with BG products at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. It will protect your engine and your pocketbook. Find a shop now. Go to bgfindashop.com. All right, uh, real quick, too. Uh, Jeff and I are back. Uh, Jeff from JC's British and 4x4. And, Joe, if you're still listening, the other thing, too, that, again, a scan tool could tell you that on that age of vehicle, and it may even be worth just putting one in just because the age of the vehicle is, I might just put an O2 sensor in it for grins. If the O2 sensor gets lazy and it's not reading proper fuel trim and it's keeping things lean when it shouldn't be, could also be causing that ping. And given it's 90,000 miles on an O2, maintenance-wise, you could put an O2 sensor on it and just see what happens. Did we ask about if he has any exhaust leaks? We did not. Okay, so we could be potentially pulling air in before the O2. True. Or something along those lines. No, you're on the right track. No, true. uh, And again, that's where, back to the scan tool, it would tell you all those things anyways. Russ and Cheyenne, you're up. What's going on, sir? Hey, I, I was listening to the guy talk about his Buick. 
Yeah, and he, you know, at Gene, any suggestions for Gene's, he, he, you know, he would take. He listens all the time, so he what would take What year was those. that? Oh, one. Oh, one century, 3.1 okay. liter. I had a Grand Am that was in the same vintage. Yep. yep. Doing the exact same thing. And uh, the electrical, electrical guy here in town finally figured it out. Um, I want to say it was an ignition control module, but I don't remember if those were on there. Um, but what he found was that as it heated up, that module had a cold solder joint in it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And so as yep. the engine would come up, yep. it would expand and it would break contact and kill the motor. Um, and the way he found it was with cold spray, the cold yep. air. Yep. And he'd spray it on the sensors after everything was warm, and that's how he found it. Um, it turned out to be, I, I, I want to say it was an ignition control module, but it was only like 40 bucks, and it caused me so many headaches, it was crazy. You, and you, and again, um, that, that, that's, like I said earlier, I mean, it's a man-made item. There's, there's a man-made fix. You just got to determine what it is. And I, and I don't remember on that 01 how that, you know, if it does in fact have that particular control module. I don't remember. I'd have to look that up. I don't remember. Yeah, that's a, it's been 20 years. I'm guessing it now, probably but, does, but. Yeah, so, but that's how he found it, was hitting it with cold air after it was warmed up. He was just freezing down everything, uh-huh, and he uh-huh. found that cold solder yeah. joint. Yeah, and, and by it, the way, the, and for, it was and, maddening. And for, and for uh, uh, Gene, if you're still listening, I just looked up, it does have one, and I looked up that part. It's not that expensive of a part to just go ahead and replace. It's yeah. like 120 bucks I, or I'll so. Bet you, yeah, I didn't think it was that much, but, I mean, it really, that's what it turned out to be. And uh, it ran perfectly after I changed it. Well, so. I think he's open for any type of suggestions. He's done a lot of things to it already. So, yeah, anything along those lines is a help. Yeah, because, I mean, it drove me insane. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, and by the way, this guy, is another one of those where so. if you've got a scan tool and you're able to actually have it on the vehicle when it does that and you can actually read the data, it would give you an indicator of what's going on as well. But, of course, that's, you know, that's hard to do on your own. It's right. impossible to do on your own so, unless you've just, got a five dollars $6,000 scan tool with you. Right. I just figured that that's what I had going on. It was the exact same issue he's having. And uh, it just turned out to be that stupid ignition module. Well, that's good. No, that's good advice. So, no, that's great, Russ. All right. All right, man. Appreciate it very much. Yep. Thanks for listening and for adding into that. I appreciate it. Kevin, you're next. What's going on? Hey, uh, well, going back to the conversation that keeps going on between the, the truck and the, uh, the Impala and the guy's fi- uh, Firebird or whatever it was, uh, that ignition, mine, my had a 2001 Malibu, and mine turned out to be a bad ignition switch. He put one now in mine, already. Yeah, but it, still, they're, they're flaky switches. If he didn't use an OEM, they could be suspect. But what those are is there's a long little lever in there, and it's got a little round barrel in there that's got little divots in it mm-hmm. that lift, raise, and lower those uh, blades. And that's the exact symptoms, but, you know, this other guy talked about ignition module. I hadn't heard of that one. Yeah, that's another so. one that could be. Again, it could be several things on that. And, again, this is another one of those, like the truck, where really, really need to have a, a professional scan tool on it to find out what's going on. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, in mine, both of these, it's going to be tough to fix without it. And mine, I, I finally caught it. I was in the car rolling it from run to crank, and all the dash lights went out. That's how I caught mine, finally, because, you know, nobody else was paying attention. They just roll it to crank, and nothing happened. You know, if you if you jump the starter, it would start and run. And every once in a while, you'd get it as you roll back out of crank to uh, to run. If it just happened to be just the right 
timing of how you did it, you might get the power back enough to, you know, to get it to fire. Mm-hmm. But on that truck, I, my understanding is those uh, uh, knock sensors are pretty finicky to installation. If you didn't have clean threads and you didn't torque them exactly the right value and everything, they could be temperamental as all get out. Um, and give you may not may not work at all because you didn't torque them tight enough or you over torqued them. Um, some parts are really finicky to installation. Very true. But, yeah. No. Yeah. True. And again, I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that. I, I didn't put it in, so I don't know. Discussions have kind of covered about everything that there is to cover on that. You know, the only other thing is, is if he's got piston slap. But you know. <laughs> Ninety thousand. I don't know whether it would do it or not. But you, you'd think you'd hear that if it was that bad. Yeah, but uh, again, and again, ready. that's another one where really having that a would more likely do it unloaded. For, right. The loading, now, but, having uh, a prof- again having a professional scan tool on that, finding out what the mixture is doing, what the timing's yeah, doing, and so know, on. That, you got to have that down to uh, you know your airflow meter could be a little off, or it's got yep. a leaf or something in there just right, or a little little bit of dirt on the little uh, element in there or something. Uh-huh. I mean, all of the above, you know, something out of whack is going to yep. make it do it. Yep. And, again, without without that information, I honestly, it's a shot in the dark. I don't, the, you know, we've yeah, done the well, maintenance yeah, items. Yeah. At this point, you got to start diagnosing now. Yeah, you know, you're down to, you're down to uh, hard diagnosis with a yep. good tool. That's right. And somebody who knows what the values should be. Correct. That's because what Jeff just, and I were just talking know, about just during the break. It, if you don't know what they're supposed to be. That's right. Or what ranges they run, you know. Doesn't do you any good. It's monkey reading, a, monkey reading a roadmap otherwise. Yeah, well, or, or like you're trying to read Chinese and you don't know it. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it exactly. looks like hieroglyphics. That's right. So. Yep. No, well said. Uh, Kevin, I appreciate it very much. And that is exactly right. And Jeff and I were talking about that during the break. You, you, the, if, and the other problem you're running into is on that age of a vehicle, even current technicians looking back at that or looking at that data on that older vehicle is not the same as looking at a 2012 or a 2021. Yep. Huge difference in those, those, you know, those decades make a big difference in even knowing what those values are supposed to be. Uh, Gary in Lakewood, you're next, sir. Yeah, I had a question. Uh, my dad restored an old Triumph Spitfire. Okay. And I have a bunch of parts left over, and he's he's gone now. And I was wondering, you know, like I have a manifold with carburetors on it, a bunch of interior parts. I'd like to get those to somebody that can use them. Best thing to do on that, I think, in our day and age, and Craigslist has really become a – thing of the past facebook marketplace is really the the place to get rid of those sorts of things and you know in the description and pictures and so on just put in there okay. you know what you want to do and how you want to get rid of them or what you want to sell them for and I, there is a ton of traction in that area now and that would be the place i would go okay that stuff worth anything i have no idea uh, yeah to the right person okay. it is yeah sure is okay yeah definitely yeah. i mean i don't I'm know that talking. i would necessarily give it away the other thing too gary that i would do is and i don't know in this area if they exist but i'm guessing they probably do but there's probably some good triumph car clubs in the area i would yep. also start there okay yeah. he was he was in one i'll have to there you, there you go there you're on the right okay. track all right yep. thanks a lot you're very welcome gary and yeah for a lot of you guys that are listening where you start it's going to become more and more common is as you know older people pass away and you guys start inheriting things from your parents and or grandparents and you start going through some of these items, this is going to become more and more of a topic because there's going to be more of these sorts of things out there. How do you, you know, properly 
I hate the word dispose. We're not going to throw them away. But how do you get those into the right hands is probably the best way for me to say that. And that's going to become more and more of a challenge as time goes by. Because if there's not guys running around with those older vehicles that are doing things with them, the parts become valueless, essentially. Yeah. I hate to say that, but they they do. So hopefully yeah. we can keep these things going so that that does not end up happening. Alan in Lakewood, you're next. Hey, I haven't bought a new vehicle in years. And... Uh, Whenever I do, uh, they always ask me if I want it undercoated. No. What's the right answer? No. Ah. That was the right answer in 77. I hated undercoating back then. I still hate it. <laughs> okay. Very good. Now, a lot of guys didn't. For everybody listening, they're thinking, first of all, what's undercoating? Well, back in the day at the dealerships, it was a way for a vehicle to become a, a more quiet Vehicle back in the day is the biggest reason, Alan, and you know this, that a lot of folks undercoated. And a lot of folks also felt like it helped for, with body protection and some things like that. But honestly, quite the opposite was true. The undercoating, a lot of times, if it got flaky and would, would chip and there would be places where it would unadhere from the other surface, you could actually end up with moisture buildup and things behind the undercoating that actually made the corrosion worse than uh. if you'd have just left it alone in the first place. I always hated it as a technician because anytime you went to do something, you were just fighting the dang undercoating every time you tried to fix something, a wire or anything under the body. And sometimes that stuff would get up on the transmissions and you yep. know, just underneath the vehicle. And I just, I hate the crap, actually. That's why I'm all, an automatic no. I hate it. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay, Alan. You're very welcome. And that, again, that was a, a question uh, or, you know, that was a time gone by is probably what I should say. I didn't know they were even still doing undercoating anymore. I didn't anymore. think anyone offered it anymore. I mean, I know that there's some stuff like in the restoration field about, you know, using, you know, different products to protect the, the frames and the chassis and everything. And I think it, it all has its potential place, but you need to understand, like anything else, you need to understand the pros and cons. Of you know, doing it. It's, it's, it's like guys that going four-wheeling and they add, you know, $10,000 worth of skid plates on their vehicle and then they get upset that it costs more to do the service on right. their vehicle because the technicians have to take that stuff off. Great example. And then it's already bent so we can't even get it back on in the first place. Great example. <laughs> we'll take one more call before we go to break. Robert in Denver, you're next. We have a line open, 303-477-5600. Robert, what's going on? Hey, John. How we doing, sir? Can you hear me? I can hear I'm you fine. Good. Go ahead. Okay, good. I had a question about it i've got a 97 uh, dodge ram with uh cummings diesel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's got low mileage it's only has like seventy-eight thousand miles oh, wow on it. okay and you know mostly it's just in the garage and i've had a couple you know i've replaced the batteries a couple times and then it's uh it's getting close to needing it again because the batteries have you know uh discharged i've right. had to recharge it but you know there's no dumb questions this one's probably a little dumb i'm because I, I i'm pretty sure you need that i was gonna when i get new batteries i was going to uh you know, uh, I've got one battery tender I bought. I think it's made by Deltran. I was going to buy another one. But you have to, I, will, I wanted them hooked up to the new batteries so I can just plug right into them. Uh, but you need two, one for each battery, right? It doesn't have any. No, on that truck, you can buy a, one of the heavier ones, and it'll it'll keep both of them maintained. But, well, that's why I was wondering if there was some connection between batteries. I thought it was separate. I didn't think no, on that about. diesel, they're, they're both connected. There's no issues. They're not isolated at all. Huh. Well, I didn't know that because when I charge them up, you usually have to individually charge the batteries, but uh, it didn't seem to... Yeah, when you go to charge that way, you will. I mean, when you're trying to get one that's, you know, you know, if they're both really drained down, you're going to charge in each battery individually. But no, when you're just trying to do the, the battery tender, you can put it on one battery and it'll handle both. And that's, okay, that's coming from experience because I do that on 
a lot of our trucks. Yeah, I had one other issue with the vehicle. I, I got stuck in the mud out east uh, a number of years ago when we got a lot of rain one uh, summer, and I I kind of went off road a little bit uh, and uh, didn't have it in four wheel drive, and then I put it in four wheel, try to get out of it. I couldn't get out of it. Somebody ended up pulling me out anyway. Switching, you know, it's a manual transmission and switching back and forth, trying to go forward and back and forward and back. And I uh, noticed after I got out, uh, the next time I tried putting in four-wheel drive, the uh, dash light wasn't coming on. So I'm wondering if that was a fuse I possibly burned out to the, the indicator that shows that in the four-wheel drive was not lighting up anymore. I doubt that the bulbs burned out. It's most likely a switch problem that's not turning the light on would be my guess. Is it, in fact, going into four-wheel drive? You know that for sure? It seems, yeah, it seems like it is. It's just the light's not coming on okay. on the dash. It's not the indicator. Is that the old vacuum disconnect on the front axle? I believe it is, yes. So you have a switch on that. On that one. And the, then, the usually is the one that says it's in four-wheel drive. Right. Because it's a manual lever to actually engage a transfer case, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and it's in the disconnect up front is what's telling it's in four-wheel drive or not. That'd right. be the place to check to Jeff's right. point. Yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, that's just that. a plunger, by the way, that engages a switch that tells the light to come on. Nothing fancy. Yeah. Okay. That one's pretty basic. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome, Robert. That's a good truck, by the way. Hang on to that. They're going up in value as as uh, each day goes by. By the way, lines open three zero three four seven seven fifty six hundred. We'll be right back. Mike, hang tight. Drive Radio KLZ five sixty. Home values are rising eight, ten, and thirteen percent in some areas. Trying to buy it but keep missing? Take AIM to show you how to make sure you're at the top of the list. Don't think you have the money to cover appraisal gaps? Let us show you options. Take AIM seven two zero eight nine five zero five hundred. Locally owned and operated since 2001. We know how to help. Rates will continue to stay low. Values will continue to increase. Take AIM, 720-895-0500. Many have refinanced out of their 30-year mortgage and now have rates in the twos. Lower payment, shorter term, and they're saving thousands. Are you paying more than 3% on your debt? Convert those to a lower rate and keep more of your money. 720-895-0500. Self-employed and been told you don't qualify? Nonsense. There are many options. Talk to us and see why we've been helping those self-employed for years. Our customer service is unmatched in Colorado. Take AIM, 720-895-0500, where it's all about you. NMLS 298-191. At Napa Auto Parts, we've been the most trusted name in auto parts for over 80 years. Probably because we've never stopped looking for ways to make the great parts we sell even better. It's a commitment to quality you'll find in every one of our 310,000 parts. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters to the patented damping mechanism on our driveline belt tensioners to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes. And Napa parts are covered by a warranty that's good at any of our 6,000 Napa auto parts stores nationwide. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store. But at Napa, we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. To find the Napa Auto Parts store nearest you, go to NapaOnline.com. Napa, get the good stuff. With over 125 locations in Colorado, southern Wyoming, and western Nebraska, there's only one place to get the good stuff. Napa Auto Parts. 
JC's 4x4 has been Denver's premier Land Rover independent service facility since 2005. With all of today's latest off-road technology, JC's British and 4x4 is a Land Rover specialty shop. Not only do they service, but they will also outfit and restore your vehicle. The dedicated staff and attention to detail make JC's British your one-stop shop for your Land Rover or 4x4 adventures. JC's British and 4x4 is committed to quality and excellence, whether taking your kids to school or hitting the back roads for adventure. No matter what road you own from the newest Discovery and Range Rover to an older Defender or Series truck, we can help you maintain, repair, or modify your vehicle. When you're tired of paying dealer prices and only given limited options, call JC's British and 4x4 to service and customize your Land Rover or 4x4. Call JC's British and 4x4 right now at 720-586-4756. That's 720-586-4756. Or go to jcbritish.com. You need more comfortable temperatures in your home now, not six months from now. Absolute Electrical Heating and Air has air conditioning units in stock, ready to install. Worldwide production shortages of raw materials and electric parts have caused delays for HVAC manufacturers. To give you an example, one local distributor placed an order in January that finally arrived a couple of weeks ago, six months later. Delays like this in the supply chain give local, family-owned companies another chance to prove themselves. Absolute Electrical Heating and Air rises above the competition by displaying prompt professionalism in every area of their business. Their parts guy, a retired Marine, stays on top of orders, maintaining good relationships with suppliers. Thanks to their reputation for reliability, Absolute Electrical Heating and Air continues to offer 24-hour service seven days a week. Call or text now for an AC install and get what you called for. 720-526-0231. For quality and service beyond compare, call Absolute Electrical Heating and Air. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage and something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560, lines open, 303-477-5600. Mike in Highlands Ranch, what's going on, sir? Hey, John, uh, great show as usual. I have a tire question. Yes. I got a, a phone call from a dear friend of mine, and uh, she's going back to um, just outside of Philadelphia, or in New Jersey, excuse me, to uh, take her son back to college. He has a Ford Fusion of 2013, I believe, but she's looking to put tires on it. So she talked to a local uh, Firestone dealer out there who quoted her a, a significant price for the tires. She called me up and I said, let's see what they actually cost. Let's go to tire racks site and see what kind of number we come up with and so after doing a little bit of that she called back and and he lowered the price for these bridgestones Taranza quiet tracks uh, but there was a couple of things that here's the question he quoted uh, 
$10 more uh, for the total, 671 bucks for the four tires, uh, $99 or $96 for an alignment, 56 mounting and balancing, $20 for a TPMF service. Mm-hmm. And that is the tire pressure monitoring yes. service? Yes. Correct. So they're going to rebuild the sensors, basically the uh, seals and O-rings on the tire pressure sensors. Okay, well, that was, they said the service, then if it requires a kit, that's another 100 bucks. Probably if, if the sensors, my guess was that that's if the sensor is bad and they have to replace the sensor. And, and I, sorry, I was looking up something else for one of the other callers. What year is it again? Uh, it is a 2013. Put new sensors in it. It's old enough. Put new ones in it. It's almost, yeah, I it's agree 11, with- it's, you know, it's nine years old. Uh, no, that's right. I just didn't know if a hundred bucks covered the sensors. Uh, it's sh- they're not that expensive. It should. Uh, yeah, that's that's something I didn't understand. Then there was a six percent shop fee, whatever that is. Yeah, that's their shop supplies. That's pretty common. You're not going to get around that. Uh, I uh, I said to her, I said that's probably what it takes to dispose of the tires and. And some yeah, of the, just their general shop fees that, you know, again, that's just uh, coach enough shops out there that, yeah, that's just a fee that they're getting to cover some of their, you know, overhead from everything from, you know, shop rags to miscellaneous, you know, fluids you would use and cleaners and different things that you're doing that, you know, if you and I were in the shop having to do it, we'd have to have a couple hundred bucks worth of stuff kicking around the shop to work on our own stuff. That's what these guys are doing to get reimbursed for those items you can't itemize on an invoice. And so that's uh, 6% of the total. Which is uh, uh, if the total the total is nine hundred and ninety some dollars, so six uh, percent of that call it a grand uh, is what the shop fee is. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah. Okay. And then whatever the sales tax back there is, and I I have no idea what it is in Jersey, so I said I it's have high. no idea. It's very high there. Yeah. No, I kind of figured it was pretty high there. And, and by the way, and I did look up really quick sensors just for grins, Mike. And you're going to be probably thirty-five to forty bucks a sensor. So a hundred bucks is not going to cover all four sensors. That's what I wondered. My recollection, John, it was that uh, replacing tire sensors, in my opinion, are a maintenance item every five to seven years. Agree. Uh, but they're not that inexpensive to replace. Uh, so thank you for for bringing pointing that out. So. Um, this okay that makes sense so that's within the ballpark uh, she was deeply concerned that she said that seems like a lot I said you have to understand what tires cost these days and I said those particular tires are absolutely lights out there 800 tread wear they're an a traction a temperature I said that's a damn good tire he recommended to you yeah so yeah. Um, so I was just concerned about the other things. The alignment sounded fine. Mounting, yeah, and, and their and their labor prices back east, I can tell you right now, are higher than what ours here in the west are. So none of that sounds off at all. Oh, good. Well, that's what I needed to know, fellas. The only thing I would the only thing I would recommend is whatever they're doing sensor wise, get rid of the rebuild or the whatever, and just buy new ones and put new ones in it and call it good. I think that's a prudent. You're right. I think that would be a prudent. There's no sense dinking with the old ones at all. Not well, on a no, 2013. No. Yeah, no, I get it. It's just 
Um, she didn't. Uh, this is a, a friend of mine that's an attorney. She said, I just don't know anything about this. I yep. said, well, Makes sense. you're going to learn. <laughs> so, um, uh, and by the way, I just got a text message in that said she should go to Delaware, which isn't that far from her, where there's no sales tax. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I forgot about that, actually. So that's a pretty good. And you know what? In her case, given as much as she's spending, that's not a bad tip. No, that's a great tip. And kudos to whoever texted that in. So there so, you go. That would help her out a bunch. That'd save her quite a bit of money. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. All right, fellas. Thank you. All John. right, Mike. Thanks. Got a lot of resources at our disposal, as you can see. And by the way, everybody, thank you for all of the things that you all do to help one another out. There's a lot of things I know Jeff and I do directly, but a lot of you, you know, calling in and making suggestions and so on, you know, again, whether they're right, wrong, or otherwise, it's still great suggestions and other people out there listening that have other problems can uh, you know, can benefit from those as well. So, no, all of you that have suggestions on any of these things, please never feel bashful, you know, about letting us know what those are. Again, it may not be pertinent to that particular individual, but somebody else listening, it may very well be. So uh, thank you all for that. we got one more segment left. Myself and Jeff will be right back. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. At Napa, we're always trying to make the great parts we sell even better. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes, and every Napa part is covered by a warranty good at any of our 6,000 Napa Auto Parts stores. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store, but we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. Go to NapaOnline.com for a location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. You listen to Drive Radio because you have a lot of questions about your car. You have questions about what kind of oil to use, what the best tires are, where to get the best parts. But have you ever asked what will happen to your car after you die? Did you know that if you don't have a will that specifically states what will happen, a probate judge will order your family to split your car evenly? And because you can't cut up a car into pieces, your family will be forced to sell it and just split the money. According to Michael Bailey, the mobile estate planner, it is estimated that two out of three people don't have a proper will in place. And oftentimes, things like your favorite classic car are accidentally forgotten completely. Michael understands that the only way to be absolutely certain that all of your final wishes will be honored is to take a small amount of time to talk about it. 720-394-6887. 720-394-6887. Call Michael Bailey, the mobile estate planner, right now to set up a free consultation and make absolutely sure that you don't leave anything to chance. Few things are life-changing. Your wedding day, the birth of a child, an oil change. Wait, what? Yes, an oil change can change your life if it comes with a peace of mind that if your engine, including the fuel system, fails, you're covered for life. The BG Performance Oil Change comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system. Find a shop near you at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. BG. As the inventor of windshield repair, Novus Autoglass saves you money by repairing chips and cracks whenever possible. With their patented glass repair technology, Novus can tackle tougher cracks than the competition. In some cases, they can repair cracks up to a foot long, but you have a much better chance at a repair by acting fast. Something as simple as going through a car wash could make your little chip or crack irreparable. For KLZ listeners only, Novus will send you a packet of protective windshield stickers for free. Little pieces of specially designed tape to cover any chips or cracks as soon as they appear like a bandage for your glass. Request your free windshield patches now at klzradio.com forward slash glass. 
No matter what sort of damage you're dealing with, there's never any risk with a Novus repair. Should your windshield repair fail, they will credit the cost toward a replacement. KLZradio.com forward slash glass. All right. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us today. Myself, Jeff Corwin, JC's British in 4x4. And again, a lot of great information today that has gone out, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you all for calling. Lines are open, by the way. We can take a few more calls here before the end of the show. 303-477-5600. 303-477-5600. Real quick, just because we were on that topic of the TPMS sensors a second ago, Jeff, you know, what is your recommendation rule of thumb when it comes to just putting sensors in i mean in other words it's maintenance put them in don't worry about it move on um you know i honestly i haven't thought about it a whole ton i would say you know if you're getting anywhere near kind of that you know if, if everything's been fine you got six seven eight years on a vehicle i would probably start thinking about replacing them rather than doing the little maintenance kit because they do have a battery which in includes them. what the maintenance kit's I've basically maintenance uh, kit. that's uh, what i'm asking it's the valve core it's the, the exterior cap on the threads, it's the seals that go around the threaded area. Um, and one of the reasons why you run out of time on being able to use those is because the valve stem on these TPMSs are typically aluminum, Right. they they break down with like the mag chloride and the salts on the road. Right. Um, and then once that's broken, now you have to replace the sensor. So. You might as well just put you, a sensor. Once in. you get further down the road yeah. with an older car, yeah. you're better off replacing the sensor than trying to make them work. Um, but, you know, from a cost perspective, obviously, you, maybe your first or second set of tires, you could probably get away with the sensor service kit, if you will. Okay. I yep. learn. Okay. I. I didn't know you could even just put the battery in those. I just, I always assumed no, you just I've, put the sensor no, in. I never did that. I've not seen any kind of replaceable battery in them. I'm talking about the service kits, that little. Oh, the end the pieces. Stem ah, I got it, got it, got it. Okay, overhaul, yeah, that, that right. makes sense. But yeah, but but the battery's got a certain age to it as well, that they're only going to last a certain amount of they're time. They're only going to last a certain amount of time. So at that point, you just. Put them right. In. Yep. Okay, I see what you're saying. So as long as the as long as you think the battery's good. You can do the service kit and probably get, you know, an ex- a little extended life out of it. But after right. that, you just put a sensor Well, and in. Then, then you run the question of, okay, well, is it going to last the life of this next tire, or do you got to break it back down again somewhere along those lines? Okay, another dumb question on my part, because I don't think this is the case, but do any of the newer TPMS tools show you the battery life of the sensor? I've not seen that. I haven't either. That's why I'm asking you. I mean, it would you. be really nice. You got the newest stuff. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah. You just got some new stuff. I got some fairly new stuff, but and I, does, and it I do, personally haven't used it a whole ton. It's my crew that uses it, so you I'm, know what? I'm, that, I'm that, one that, step removed. That's a that's a question maybe next time you're on we should answer is do do some of the newer tools show the battery right. life of the actual sensor itself? Because, again, I, I've never seen one that shows that. It would be nice if it did. I don't, right. I, I don't know why they Maybe they just can't. Well, and it's interesting that like different manufacturers do them different ways. You have the ones that are installed in the valve stem opening. Yeah, this seems to be the most common one. And then there are other ones that are actually mounted to the rim, and you're using standard valve stem. True. Which I like the idea of using standard valve stem. You avoid the you know Makes the wear easier. and tear yeah. and, and yeah. potential damage that would occur otherwise. Um, I'm still a I like TPMS systems for the additional safety and, and awareness that they offer. 
but I'm also an off-roader, so it really bugs me that if I air my tires down to go off-roading, and then, oh, I got lights that I got to deal with while I'm driving off-road. Yeah. So pros and cons to everything. Yeah. No, you are are correct on that one. Um, Okay, one thing, too. We've got some other uh, events coming up, some other remotes that we're going to be at, one of them being... Uh, in Westminster, right off of 92nd and Wadsworth, Old Wadsworth. We're going to be there on September 11th, and that'll be a fun day because we're going to have some veterans and different folks that are there as well, so that'll be a really fun day. And then the following weekend, September 18th, we're going to be at the Sons of Italy Car Show over in the Wheat Ridge area as well. So we'll have those listed on the website in the not-too-distant future as well. If they're not already there, I gave all that to Ann, so I actually may have that up. Uh, if not now, very, very soon. And again, you can go to drive-radio.com. So, all right, so talking on, we got a minute to talk here with you, Jeff, on the, you know, accessory four-wheel drive, you know, end of things. We're getting closer to hunting season and fall is approaching and your guys are out there looking at, okay, what do I do for my next upgrade and different things along those lines? Give us some thoughts. There's a lot. The list is endless, God, I know. Yeah, the list is endless. Basics. What are some of the basics? So guy just got, let's just say somebody out there listening, just got a four-wheel driver. They just got a Jeep. They're going to go do some hunting or fishing or whatever. What are some of the basic things they should have on the vehicle, period, no matter what? Well, I would say one of the, well, you should always have a couple things in, in your vehicle, right? At least a small first aid kit, small little recovery bag for, you know, flat tires and, you know tow ropes that kind of stuff because we should all be willing to help each other out out there um if you get into the camping and off-roading i would say especially in colorado you want to have some kind of preparedness for uh, an, an emergency overnight agree right you yes. know space blanket space food, blanket water all that kind some, of good stuff you know old fire starter yep wool some you know wolf pants or, or yeah wool, wool, wool um sweater and and this pair of boots just in case right because you never know if you're going to be, you know, stuck out there. Good point. So, yeah, a clevis. By the way, Jeff just mentioned toe strap. Have a clevis to go along with that, because you never know what you're going to hook to on your vehicle yep. and/or the other vehicle. And by the way, they're yep. cheap enough. Having a couple of them in your your whatever bag you've yep. got or under seat storage or whatever you're doing along those lines is also nice to have. And I'm a very big proponent of making sure that whatever you're storing in your vehicle is secure. God forbid you get into an accident yes. and things are flying around. The last thing you want is a, a two or yep. five pound piece of metal flying around inside the cab. So right. um, secure storage is always very important. Um, when it comes to recovery stuff, do not like think that a tow hitch is a, an acceptable point. A tow ball is an acceptable point for hooking a rope to. It is not. It becomes a very deadly projectile. Yeah. So Good point. Uh, uh, I was going to tell you guys, too, this last week, too, I talked to talked to you all about this during the week on, on Rush to Reason. But Thursday, I was at a press event, and a lot of you have been wanting me to do this for quite some time. So I finally was able on Thursday, uh, mainly because of the event and the types of vehicles that were there. So I drove two really nice off-road vehicles that uh, you know I just thought were very uh, unique. One of those being, and it's been a while since I've been able to get in one of these, I haven't been able to begin in one yet because they haven't been produced. It's the first one of these I've actually seen physically eye-to-eye up close was the new full-size, not Bronco Sport, because you've seen a lot of Bronco Sports running around, but an actual full-size new Bronco. This one was a four-door edition. It was a first edition four-door. And uh, I will tell you, um, impressed is what I will say. 
I was impressed. I, I mean, I read a lot about it, and I knew a lot of what was going to be on the vehicle before actually climbing in it. But I don't think I was prepared for how comfortable and upscale the interior of the vehicle would actually be. And, and I realize that everybody's getting very much that way, and the competition has driven mm-hmm. things that way. But I will tell you, Ford has done a, an exceptional job of laying out the interior of the new Bronco. That's it's really nice. They did a nice I'm job. I'm looking forward to seeing it. The screen and the center dash, you know, and all the different things that it will do, uh, it is phenomenal. They've done a great job on that. The EcoBoost engine, as far as the horsepower and the way it performs and runs, I will say it is one of, if not the smoothest, hardcore off-road vehicles I've ever driven. And I mean that sincerely. It is just... It's smooth, it's, it's quiet inside, and that's even with the retractable roof this one had, or you know, with the, with the takeoff panel roof that it had. They've done a nice job of even layering the inside of that roof, and I realize they're having some delamination issues with that right now that they, I heard today, are going to replace all of the hard tops that are out even in the field right now because they know there's some issues there, so you know, Ford is stepping up and handling that. But there's, a real, there's really a lot of very unique features on the new bronco that a lot of you guys that are into the really hardcore four-wheeling are going to love and those of you that had that original early bronco you will also appreciate how closely they've mimicked that early bronco in design and way more functionality than what the early bronco would have ever thought of having but have they done a really great job on this vehicle Um, in my first impression yes yes did a nice job yeah now, I was also able to, some of you actually have, I know that we've got at least one listener that called in and said they have one of these on order. I don't know whether you've gotten it in or yet or not, but uh, FCA or Stellantis uh, brought along in this particular trip a new 392 V8 Wrangler as well, the Rubicon Wrangler 392. So the 6.4 liter, I don't know, it's like 400 and some horsepower uh, V8 uh, Jeep. Now, is it the same as the Bronco? No. Is the Bronco more refined? Yes. Does the Bronco sound and is it as cool as the 392 V8 Jeep? No. <laughs> there's something about, there's a little button you can push on the dash of the 392 V8 Jeep where you push that and it opens the exhaust up and you romp on it. I mean, and it just, it just sounds like nothing else out there. So the thrill factor of the 392 Jeep compared to the Bronco, there is no comparison, but the refinements of the Bronco, I tell you, It's a really, really nice vehicle. But I think the plus side the 392 has is, and just even talking to some of the folks that were there at this event, and I've said this before and I mean it, if you're wanting to buy a high-horsepower V8 engine vehicle of any kind right now, I would suggest you do it because I doubt in the near future you're going to be able to. Yeah, they're not going to be around long. No, they're not going to be. So if that's something you're interested in doing and it's something you can afford to do, I would say do so because I think that's a vehicle that will probably appreciate in value just because of everything I just said. So there you go. I'll have more on that as in the weeks ahead as we go further down the road. And Richard and I will probably talk about some of that on Monday as well. But, Jeff, thanks for coming, man. Thank you. Been a great and day. I want to do a quick shout-out to my folks. It was our oh. anniversary yesterday. Nice. So, so uh, yeah, thank you for Congrats. having us. Yeah, th- thanks for uh, meeting each other because otherwise I wouldn't be here. And we wouldn't have <laughs> Jeff's presence. So, thank you. And, Jeff, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. JC's British and 4x4. Guys, anything four-wheel drive-wise at all, 
anything you need done along those lines. I sent a lot of folks over there that, you know, no, it's not British. You're not driving something British, but Jeff can still take care of you. And I appreciate him doing that and taking care of a lot of you that are not driving a British vehicle. But you can you can do that if you're driving a four-wheel drive. Just go over and see Jeff. Otherwise, look at everything we've got on drive-radio.com. All of our other sponsors are there. Guys, Sportsman of Colorado is next. Larry Unger, thank you. Charlie Grimes, we'll be back next week. Same time, same place. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com. Email your questions and comments. Download previous programs and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.